Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome uh, once again to Bethesda Church. We're glad that you're here. Anybody excited to be in God's house today? I mean, we kicked off a brand new series last week called The Will To, The Will To, uh, and I'm just glad you survived last week and came back. Um, you're here. You made it. Uh, today, we're going to switch gears from The Will To War to The Will To Win, The Will To Win. If you are going to win, you got to want to. If you're going to serve God, you gotta want to. If you're going to win in life, in business, in child rearing, in marriage, how many know you better have a want to? And so I wanna talk to you about the will to win and I wanna look at the passage of scripture found from Judges chapter three again. This verse has really been speaking to me. It says in verses one and two, it says, now these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Very interesting scripture. There were nations that God left in the land that Israel was coming into that would be enemies to Israel that God left there on purpose to teach an emerging generation how to war and how to fight. See, when it comes to the things of God, you have to develop a want to, a want to. If you want to believe, you will read the scriptures and believe. If you don't want to believe, you'll read the scriptures and argue with people. Um, you, you can know all the words in Hebrew and Greek for praise and worship, but how many know that doesn't mean anything if you don't have a desire or a want to when it comes to praise and worship? You have to have a will to win. I want you to tell somebody real quick, either on your right or left, maybe the neighbor of your choice, your favorite neighbor. Uh, nobody can get offended today, but I want you to tell them real quick, I have a will to win. I have a will to win. Now, th this scripture where God leaves these nations in the land, in other words, God left some battles for the emerging generation to fight because God wanted to teach them how to war and how to win. And we know that in scripture, but also in life, we have these generational gaps. And we, we, we have in scripture, for instance, when it comes to Israel, we have those that were born in Egypt and we also have those who were born in the wilderness. The generation that was born in the wilderness did not know the bondage of Egypt and they did not know the, the grapes of the promised land. They're born in this in-between place and they had to be told, it had to be rehearsed, how God called Israel out, because they were not there, and how God ultimately brought them into their promise. 
And it's important when you think about generational gaps. You have to rehearse for your children all the things that God has done for you. It is important that you and I tell our kids that God brought us out. It's important that we tell them, we, we haven't always had it like this. If, if you don't rehearse that, if you don't share that with your kids, then they're gonna grow up thinking it's always been like this. And so you've got to rehearse that. You've got to talk about how God called you out, how God brought you out, and all that God has done in your life. We need to do that for our family, but we also have to do that for the church family. Because the truth is, every single week, we have people who are new to us, new to our church family. And I just want to say once again, if you are new here at Bethesda Church, thank you so much for coming. Bethesda, come on, love on all the new folks. We're thankful that you are here today. Excited that you're here. And so we have to rehearse that for our children. We gotta rehearse what God did for the new people coming into the faith because we have a generation coming behind us, but we also have a generation that, it, that they are new to us. And, and here's the thing. If you are raised in the promised land, sometimes you don't appreciate it like you should because you are not the one that had to fight for it. See, if you are not the one marching and facing water hoses and dogs to earn the right to vote, it's easy to stay in the bed on election day. See, if you don't have any skin in the game, it's, it, it's real easy to, to fold your tent, to take your ball, and to go home. There is a reason that God calls us to invest in the next generation that is coming with us and coming behind us. Um, and, and let me just walk, can I just walk this out today? In, in, this, in this nation, in this nation, we have people that come here from foreign nations for school, and, and it's because where they come from, they don't have 15 opportunities. They don't have any opportunities. And so they, they, they're raised in a culture where everybody did not say yes to them. They, they didn't have anything at all handed to them. They, they didn't get anything for free. Um, they didn't get an allowance just for breathing air. Oh, I'm about to preach. Um, when, 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 and, and, and so they come into our nation and, and, and we, we grow up in this and we got all these opportunities all around us. Opportunity after opportunity. And, and we so entitled and so used to everybody saying yes that, that we don't even care. If we flunk out here, somebody will pick me up over here. If I mess that up, mom and dad gonna fix it. If I mess this up, somebody else will open up another door for me. But these people that come here from other nations that did not have the same opportunities and they know that their parents sacrificed everything they could just to get enough resources to put them on a plane to send them here not for 15 opportunities but the one opportunity. This is your one shot. And so they don't spend their time partying with our kids. When you have everything handed to you, you think that no matter what happens, I'll have another opportunity. See, we have a generation, and I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about those who are 
new to the faith, people that come into the church and they're here and they were not here, and it's not their fault, as I said last week, they were not here during the times of struggle. They, they were not here when we were plowing up hard ground, when we didn't see people saved every week. They, they were not here in the times of building, in the times of sacrifice. Obviously, the church that I was raised in did not have it all together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They did not have it all together. But what I will say about the church that I grew up in is that they, they instilled in me and they pushed this, this, this um, mindset into my life of you gotta have a will to win that you got to fight for the things of God. They didn't have everything right, but, but I did grow up in a church that didn't ask you to fast. They told you you're going to fast. And if they heard you been eaten, they gonna call you <laughs> and say, what are you doing? I hope that cheeseburger's good because you, you are forfeiting a promise from God with your hamburger. And, and, and they would call you, and they, they talked about praying and fasting, watch this, for your own breakthrough. We don't want to pray and fast for our own breakthrough. We want somebody to lay hands on, on us and get it. We, they taught us sacrifice. They, they taught us how to pray things through, to fight for the things of God. But there is such a consumer mentality in our world, and it's not just in our world, it has crept into the church nationally. I, I get to travel, I get to preach, and, and so in other places and other cities, but in this nation, we have people that are so consumer-driven that, that they come to church and they actually think that the church is about them and not about God. Y'all thought last week was tough. <laughs> See, we, we have asked people, how can we serve you instead of teaching them to serve God? Now, we, we ask that question, how can we serve? Because we want to serve guests. We are a church where you can belong before you believe. But you've been here three years, baby, you believe. It's time that, that we stop asking you how we can serve you, and you get some skin in the game, and you start asking other people, how can I serve you? See, we gotta break the consumer mentality off of the people of God if we're going to get something accomplished. See, we're here to serve you, but we want you to learn how to serve. We want you to be initiated into the things of God. Problem is, is that we don't understand that when we come to church, we come to church for spiritual warfare, not spiritual welfare. I know, I'm dropping bombs. See, now people come to church not for spiritual warfare. They come for spiritual welfare. They come to church and think, how are you gonna help me? Who's gonna watch my kids? Who's gonna get me my drink? Who's gonna watch my students? Who's gonna park my car? Where do I get to sit? And, and, and I, we, we asked this last week, but it's worth repeating. What have you done for God lately? What have you done? Because we're so used to being served and so used to being taken care of that we, we have produced a generation of believers that don't know how to stand up under anything. They don't know how to fight for anything. 
They don't know how to war or how to win. And, and in part of it's because it's hard to have a will to win when you grow up playing sports and everybody gets a trophy for participating. It's difficult. And I know some, some people are going to hate that. But, but listen, you can't hit, you can't field, you have struck out 103 times in a row. Sit your behind on the bench. Sit down. Like, like I, I've done a little coaching, and, and I tell you what, the kids are easy. It's the parents that when the game's over, come running right to me. Why didn't you play my kid? Well, he's been picking his nose for two hours. The rest of them run the plays. They're trying. He walks out there and stands. He's got to sit down or go home. But, but we, we're, ra we're raising up a group of people that, that think everybody is a winner. Listen, you are valuable, you are important to God, but we gotta be honest, if we're not winning, we need to say we're not winning. If we're losing, we need to, need to be able to say we're losing. How can we change this? How, how can we turn this around? See, we got a generation of people that do not have a will to win. And we have people that don't know how to stand up under anything. And this mentality comes into the church, and, and watch this, people don't even know how to get over anything. Like, we, you're, some people are carrying the same offense for 10 years. The same one. They can't get past anything. I have watched people lose out in their relationship with God because they did not get what they wanted at church. See, when you are not after something, anything can trip you up. But when you have a will to win, you can get past anything. You can fight for it. We need some people that will make up their mind, some people that will say, I don't have time to be sidetracked by you. I don't have time to pick up your offense. I'm not going to let any silly stuff pull me out of the promise of God. I, 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 need, I need some people that will have a mindset that I'm after something money can't buy. I'm after something you can't give me. I'm after something that only God can do in my life. And I, I don't have time to be sidetracked by things that don't matter. See, the enemy wants to pull the church into distraction to keep us out of the place of power. The enemy knows we're powerful. The enemy knows that we have the power of God. He knows that we have the Holy Spirit. He, know, he understands what Jesus did for us. But if he can continue to pull us into distraction, he keeps us from walking in the power that, that Jesus has, has ordained for you and I to walk in. And I believe that if we're going to win our cities, if we're going to reach the world, if we're going to change lives, there has to be a church that's full of the power of God, but also full of people that are here not just to be served, but they are here enlisted in the battle and ready to put on some bootstraps, whatever they need to do, and say, let's go to war and let's have a will to win. Let's have a will to win. Let's have a want to on the inside of us. See, the, the scripture, I love this scripture. He said, a generation of people coming up did not know the wars of Canaan. And I will say, I'm the biggest supporter you will find of the emerging generation. I've mentioned it several times. Many of our staff members are what you would call, uh, they're, they're labeled millennials. And I think sometimes they get such a bad rap, but I have seen some greatness in them. 
I have seen some greatness in the younger generation. They want to make a difference. They, they want to make an impact on the world. And, and so we, we, we have to develop them. And it's not just about a younger generation. Guys, it, it, look around this room today. I, I was having a conversation uh, before church. When you look around this room at nine or 11, I don't care what service you come to, you will see newborn babies everywhere. You will see old people everywhere. And that's not, that's not a knock on you. We are so thankful you're here. You, you'll see middle-aged families that, that, are, that are raising up teenagers. Like we have every generation represented in this church and I am extremely thankful for every generation being represented in this church. Anybody thankful that every generation is, is worshiping together? And, and, and so I, I believe in every generation. That's why we fought for children's ministry. It's why we fight for student ministry. It's why we fight for all the different ministries that we're able to do because we do want to make a difference in every generation. When Karen and I became lead pastors of this church in the fall of 2007, um, let me just say right here, it hasn't always been like this. And that's putting it mildly. Um, you know, now on a Sunday morning, if I, if I choose to, I could get up at four o'clock in the morning and come over here and pray until nine o'clock service starts. I have the luxury to do that. But a few years ago, what you don't know in the other sanctuary is that we had these giant chandeliers. And they were massive and they pulled all kinds, they were all over the sanctuary, and they pulled all kinds of energy, these, these chandeliers did. And so when we would cut them on, every time we'd cut them on, we would blow fuses. And sometimes when we turned the sound system on, after we had turned all the big chandeliers on, we would blow fuses. So Sunday morning from six o'clock until nine o'clock, Brent Lynch can say amen, we spent time in the maintenance room replacing fuses for two and three hours every single Sunday. When I say it's not always been, I don't even know how to turn all this stuff on now. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm fixing the other building because it, it, it literally, sometimes we would get a little bit loud on the music and, and you would watch a chandelier go black. <laughs> and there was this huge humming sound that you, you couldn't even, the musicians couldn't hear what they were playing because all the power was, was plugged into one place. And so everything combined, it was producing all these crazy sounds and, and we had all these issues. So I, I just say again, it hasn't always been like this. We began preaching to the best of our ability and God began to bless and he started to send people. But I wanna say that there were battles all along the way. It didn't take long for us to figure out that if we're gonna do something significant, that we're gonna have to have a will to fight, a will to win. And, and, and when you have a will to win, you don't give up easily. You don't quit easily. And I'm very committed to raising up a church of people, full of people that have a will to win, a will to fight. Uh, maybe, maybe they did not fight the previous battles, but they're getting enlisted now and they're gonna fight the future battles. They're, they're gonna fight the, the present battles. See, the things of, this is so important because the things of God are available, but they are not automatic. <laughs> they are available, they're just not automatic. And if you won't fight for it and get the will to win, 
you will watch somebody else enjoy a blessing that you would have had only if you had had a will to fight, a will to win. See, I, I don't want to be a part, I don't want you to be a part of this church today and think we got here easily. It's important that we, we talk about this. To think that maybe, well, they've never experienced struggle. They've never experienced setbacks. To feel like there's not been any fights. You may come here now and feel this atmosphere of praise and worship and think, man, it just comes easy. But we had to fight for that atmosphere. We had to war. I, I remember the first few times I preached on praise and worship. Man, I was bumping into all kinds of religious spirits that wanted our church to remain quiet and, and, and not make any noise. And, but I learned very early on that a church with great power is also going to be a church with a great sound. Come on, if you believe that, make a little noise. So we had to fight against some stuff. And I, I believe that, that, that we are a church with, with great power, with a great sound. But here we also learn in, in building and in getting to this place that pursuing the promises of God will cost you something. It will cost you something. It means that whenever I decide to go after the things of God, the things that he has put in my heart, that he has promised me, I also need to be prepared to lose something. Abraham found out if he was gonna pursue the promise of God that he had to be willing to lose his nephew Lot in order to obtain the blessing. Sometimes you got, you got to be willing to lose some people to get to your blessing. You got to be willing to sacrifice some things to get to your blessing within several months of being pastor. And this is, you know, it's pretty typical. Um, before we started winning people, we started losing people. We had some people in places of leadership, in places of influence that were that were actually keeping us from moving forward. And, and so I, I can remember, I, I started pastoring in, in September, and by December, we hadn't grown much at all, but we had lost several families. And I had this one guy, I debated, should I share this? And I, I gotta share this. I had this one guy who had, he had a, I, I, the only way I can put it is, he had a bad spirit. And he was in leadership and he was gaining influence, but he was so pushy. I mean, extremely pushy. I'm not talking about a pushy personality. I'm talking about pushing your own agenda and not supporting the vision. Wanting to do things your way. And he, he was always pushing, pushing like that. And, and to be honest with you, I was only 29 years old at the time, but it started rubbing me the wrong way. And not only did it rub me, that's one thing. But what happened after that is it started rubbing some really good people the wrong way, and he started hurting some people that I loved, people that I cared about, people that were helping us move the vision down the field. And the, the thing at 29 is that at 29, I didn't have the experience or the tools in my tool belt that I have now. And so I didn't always know how to deal with things. But he rubbed me the wrong way, rubbed people the wrong way, and I met with him to talk about it a sit-down conversation, and I can still see this thing playing out. I told him, no more. You can't do this anymore. It's not about what you want. We, we are one church with one vision, and we're gonna move it down the field together. And he jumped up out of his seat and, and smacked his hands together. I'm gonna show you what he did. 
and he's screaming at me. He stands up, smacks his hands together, and he starts screaming at me. I knew before I walked into that meeting that I was dealing with a spirit that wanted us to abort our promise. A spirit that, that wanted me to be insecure as a leader, that wanted me to, to be a pastor without any backbone and to just allow him to do whatever he wanted to do. And you, you need to be careful when you use your emotions to control other people, that's witchcraft. I got, I got like two people. So he thought by jumping up in my face, smacking his hands and raising his volume as I'm seated and he's standing looking down that Pastor Chad was gonna just run out the door. But I, I did something in the moment and I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I was 29, all right? But if you push me, all right, this may, this may come out, all right? I'm just gonna throw that out there. I, I, haven't, I, done a, I hadn't done it up until that point and I haven't done it since, but when he done that, I jumped up out of my seat, smacked my hands together, and said, God didn't call you to be the pastor. You'll either do it our way, or you can go elsewhere. <laughs> Needless to say, he left the church immediately, and he never came back, and I say, mission accomplished, baby. Mission accomplished. See, he was a religious spirit keeping us from our blessing. How many know if I'd have folded in that moment, it's hard telling how long we'd have been up under that, how long we would have been stuck. And, and, and I'm gonna say this, I, I got enough to do every day fighting with devils that I'm not gonna spend my time fighting with church members. <laughs> and I ain't fighting with nobody right now. I'm just trying to tell you our story. We're rehearsing what God has done. Check this out. Every so often, you got to shake a tree and let all the nuts fall out. Half of you are pumped up. Half of you are mad. See, the pastor's job is to feed the sheep and win the lost, not stroke the ego of goats. Oh, yeah, I thought last week was tough. Yeah, this is coming out, you know, a little, little tough. See, goats push their own agenda. Goats want to tell the pastor what he's going to do and not do. Nothing demoralizes a church more than when the people know that their pastor is afraid to pastor them. Afraid to hold people accountable. I believe that God is raising up a group of people, though, that is so hungry for a move of God, so hungry for God to, to do great things. And, and I know some of you are here and you're new and you're saying, oh my goodness, Listen, that was 12 years ago. And I had to make some hard decisions to get this thing going. I am so thankful that last year, 700 and some people gave their life to Christ. I am so thankful this year that, that nearly 400 people have given their life to Christ. I'm just trying to communicate, it did not come without some battles. It did not come without some fights. See, we just need some people that have the God-given guts that will say, as for me in my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're, we're gonna move this thing forward. See, God left battles in the land. God always leaves battles in the land. Battles that, that many of you were not a part of the, the battles that we had in the beginning. But how many know we got new battles? It's not the same battle, it's new battles. 
And, and so we, we've got to understand there is more to be done. There is more land to possess. There are more families to be saved. There are more marriages that need to be put back together. And how many know once we, once we have a will to do those things, we are immediately stepping into spiritual warfare. Just because the enemy does not want to give up territory quickly or easily. And, and, and so uh, some of you, you you're, you're new to this and you're just full of energy. And it's kind of like, you know, when, you, when you're young and you're full of energy and you got the juice, however you, you guys put it. Um, and, and you don't want to hear your parents reminiscing about how they walked to school. <laughs> in the snow, barefoot. Uphill, both ways. How they cook their chicken over an open flame. You, you, I mean, you just don't want to hear that. You, you, you want to move forward. But we have to stop every once in a while and talk about it because God told Moses, I want you to rehearse into the ears of Joshua all the things that I have done. I want you to tell them about the battles. I want you to tell them about the wars. And then he told Joshua, I want you to build a memorial. I want you to take the stones as a memorial so that the people of God will know that we haven't always had it like this. They fought some battles we didn't have to fight so that we could sit in a blessing that we didn't earn. And so God, God communicates to us that we have to rehearse these things. We are here today because people prayed, people fasted, people gave, people, people invested their time. This stuff didn't fall out of heaven on us. They fought a battle. And lives have been changed. We need some people that, that they are in it to win it. That have a will to win but we gotta be very, very careful that we don't offer a gospel without expectation and requirement. Most people have not even been pastored to such a degree that when a pastor actually pushes in on them with some expectation or requirement or sacrifice, they, they, they've never really allowed that to happen in their life, so when it happens, instead of learning and growing and moving forward, they get mad. And this is what the Apostle Paul meant when, in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. We, we are living in a fatherless generation. And that, that's, that's natural and that is spiritual. We know that this generation is fatherless. There's more broken homes now than, than ever before. But this is also happening in the church because watch this, fathers, spiritual fathers and natural fathers determine identity and direction. Identity and direction. The problem is that we want someone to teach us, but we don't want anyone to hold us accountable. I'm just preaching the truth today. We don't want anybody to hold us accountable. We want a pastor, uh, and, and we'll love the pastor if he'll just tell us what we want to hear and let us do what we want to do. But as soon as the pastor holds us accountable, we're upset. We don't, we don't want anybody. How many of you, you can't grow without some accountability. The most dangerous person in the world is one with no accountability. 
You better have some accountability in your life. Mark chapter four, verses 13 through 15. It says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Look at it again from Matthew 13. It says, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. When the seed of God's word is sown, Satan always comes immediately. We think that when the word is being preached, Satan will leave us alone. The Bible says when the word is sown, there's spiritual activity all around it, trying to snatch it out of the hearts of the people. How I many right now, as I preach the word, Satan wants to do anything he can to keep the word from finding fertile ground in your life. That's happening. Anytime a church is, is speaking the word or a, a mom or a dad is speaking the word, there is spiritual activity around that word because the enemy does not want the word of God to take root in our hearts. And, and we are at somewhat of a disadvantage at times because we are so used to operating by what we see, what we feel, what we think. We can't see the spiritual battle. And, and we don't understand that, watch this, I want you to get this, anytime there is a resistance to truth, there is an allegiance to an unclean spirit. Now this one's heavy. If, if someone is preaching the truth about praise and worship, and you immediately resist that because it's not the way you were raised, you, you resist that, it means you have an ungodly allegiance to another belief system. If someone, it's kind of like when you preach on generosity and tithing, and then all of a sudden everybody tightens up. It's because they have an ungodly allegiance to the spirit of mammon. There is always, there is always spiritual activity surrounding the word of God that is being preached. And we have to decide if it's true, are we going to receive it or are we going to do our own thing? And that's, that, that, that's every time we open up the Bible, that's every time we hear a word preached, we have to make a decision. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse number one. It says, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he seized that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. We hit this briefly last week, but I wanna hit it again to show you the, the importance. Jesus' disciples saw John teaching his disciples how to pray. And so they're asking Jesus, teach us also to pray. Um, and, and, and I wanna say it like this. When you are trying to get something from God, you have to have the strength to pray that thing through, to see it through. When, when, when you look at John, if you were to trace his lineage, okay? If you were to trace his lineage, you would have to go all the way back to the Old Testament to Hannah, and, and we know that Hannah is the one who gave birth to Samuel, but she was married to a man by the name of Elkanah who also had other wives, and he was, having, they were able to ha he was able to have kids with the other wives. He just wasn't able to have kids with Hannah, and Hannah shows up in the temple, and she starts praying for God to, to give birth to the promise she felt like she had from God. 
God, I, I, I want a son. I, I'll dedicate him back to you. She's, she's praying over the promise. She, she has the strength to push this thing through. And, and we know that there wasn't a problem with Elkanah because his other wives are having babies. And so Hannah is, is pulling this thing through, but she's doing it through prayer. And that's why I gave you last week the, the eight reasons why we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're gonna dedicate the month of August to the Holy Spirit. People need to know there is power in the Holy Spirit. Anybody know there is power in the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, it's better that I leave so that he can come. Cause it's not no longer God with you, it is God in you. And coming through this lineage, we know Hannah gives birth to Samuel. And Samuel, the Bible says that not one word that he said fell to the ground. I bet you he was thankful for a mama that knew how to pray something through because I'm sure there were some words he thought that thing's gonna hit the ground. But he, had, he learned in his own lineage how to pray something through. But we see that even with Samuel, after him in the same line came Elijah. And Elijah, the Bible says about that at one point, and I love talking about this, he, t he told the king, he said, it will not rain again until I tell it to. Now, how many know you walking in some power? When you, you walking around and say, it won't, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He raised the dead. He called fire down from heaven. He, he faced manipulation and witchcraft through Jezebel and, and, and was able to work through all those things. But through the same line came John that we just read of. John is of the same lineage. John the baptizer, whom they didn't know what to name. And, and he came forth, watch this, from a barren womb. God brought him out of a place of barrenness and named him Grace. That's what John means, Grace. John, at 12 years of age, he forfeits uh, his ability to become a priest and he goes in the wilderness to pray. I love that. He goes into the wilderness to pray. And, and I believe he did that because he knew that he was the one that would prepare the way for Jesus to come. He's known as the one who prepared the way. He went into the wilderness to pray something through. He knew that he was preparing for the next move of God. I just wonder if we got any people with a will a, a will to win that will say, I'm ready to prepare the move. I'm, I'm ready to prepare the way for God to move in my generation. I, 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 I got the strength to push this thing all the way through. We got too many people though that are using God to further their own agenda and not praying God's agenda. See, when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, teach us to pray. And what did he teach him? He said, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Watch this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he taught us to pray. We need some people that can, I, I, I just wanna say, if we're gonna see the will of God and have a will to win, we need some people that, that can take a licking and keep on ticking. We, we need some people that can stand up under some pressure, that's not, a not afraid to stare down at the giants that, that's opposing them, that praises God on the good days, but praises God on the bad days, that praises God when you did everything right this week, but praise God anyhow if you made up yesterday that know how to keep pushing and keep fighting and keep warring because we are developing a will to win a will to fight a will to war I, come on 
Come on, somebody, if you believe it, make some noise. Stay on your feet. I'm going to show you one last thing. One last thing. Man, God, I just pray you put strength on the inside of people today. Put strength on the inside of them. See, you got to be able to stand even when some of the things we've learned and we've walked out. You got to be willing to stand when people lie on you, when they walk out on you, when they talk about you. You you got to be able to stand up when you get the bad doctor's report. And sometimes it's not even your own, it's your kids' doctor's report. You got to be able to stand under that kind of pressure. To be able to continue to push that thing through. And so many times, guys, we are so quick to give up on a promise. We're so quick to give up on a dream, so quick to say, I, I, I can't do this. But God is, is wanting to raise up people. He, he left nations in the land that would teach his people how to fight and how to war. We'll end with 1 Kings 19, 19. Hit your neighbor real quick and tell them, don't miss this part. It says, so he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Man, I love Elijah, Elisha. I love this story. I love everything about it. Elisha was the last of the last. He was on the 12th team. Nobody was looking at Elisha. Nobody was paying attention to Elisha. But every single day, I want you to get this. He got up, he pushed the plow, he broke the ground, and he sowed the seed. We'll say that one more time. He pushed the plow, he broke the ground, and he sowed the seed. Those who win are those who are pushing the plow, breaking the ground, and planting the seed. On good days, Elisha got up, pushed the plow, broke the ground, and sowed the seed. On bad days, Elisha got up, pushed the plow, broke the ground, sowed the seed. When it was sunny outside, y'all know it by now, he pushed the plow, he broke the ground, and he sowed the seed. When it was really hot outside, come on, when it was raining, no matter what, he pushed the plow, he broke the ground, and he sowed the seed. He done this day after day after day after day. He had a will to win. He had a will to get up and do something. When suddenly, the scripture says, and man, I'm telling you right now, I love the suddenlies of God. See, the suddenly is when God's power shows up because you've been faithful to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. And the Bible says that Elijah came, and this story is so interesting to me. He walks by him, and he's been doing this every day, no matter what. He walks by him, and he throws the mantle on him suddenly, and Elijah keeps on walking. He had been pushing the plow, breaking the ground, sowing the seed every single day. He had a will to fight, a will to war, a will to win. Every day he did this, and then a suddenly came from a guy named Elijah 
who had the ability and, and had power with God and the mantle. Some of you are like, what's the mantle? The mantle is the anointing. It, it's the presence and the power of God. It, it's when God comes in and says, you've been faithful over a little thing. I'm going to make you ruler over a big thing. You, you've been doing this small thing nobody's paying attention to. And now I'm going to entrust you with a big thing. And anything God calls you to do, he also equips you to do it. And so he drops the mantle. Watch this. The moment was so powerful. He had done this every single day that the scripture said when the mantle hit him, they didn't have a conversation. Elijah kept walking. But it was so powerful in the moment that he dropped his plow. And the scripture said he burned it all up to follow God by following Elijah. Now I said all of that to say this. Right here it is. If you are not willing to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed, then you are not ready to carry the mantle. So if you've been pushing the plow, breaking the ground, and sowing the seed, God wanted me to tell you there's a new power coming into your life. There's a new anointing coming into your life. There's a new day coming into your life. Scripture tells us in Galatians that if we don't give up, it doesn't say that we will reap a blessing. It says we'll reap a harvest of blessing. A harvest of blessing. Man, if we could just get everyone initiated and say, you know what, I'm gonna do my part to push the plow, to break the ground, to sow the seed. I'm not gonna be a part of a generation that just sits there with a hand out because this is not spiritual welfare, baby. This is spiritual warfare. I'm here to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. Come on, if you believe that today, can you give God the best praise you have all day long? Come on, church. Come on, make a little noise. Come on, take about 20 seconds. Open up your mouth. Come on, put your hands together. A church with great power church with a great sound. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, if you believe that your suddenly is coming, you've been pushing the plow, breaking the ground, and sowing the seed. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around in this moment. Father, I thank you for your word, and I ask God that you would speak to hearts now as only you can through the Holy Spirit. I wanna ask you in this place today, or if you're watching online, if Jesus Christ is not your personal Lord and Savior, your life is not where it should be. You, you know that you need Jesus in your life and to have your sins forgiven. You know that he died on the cross for you and you would say today, Pastor, I, I wanna make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I wanna do that today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. Thanks for that hand back there. God bless you, sir. Anyone else, you say, that's me today. Say, that's me. Three online, God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? Let's pray together, every voice say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my savior. Thank you for saving me 
and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate all those individuals? Amen. Give God a praise for that. Come on, I want you to find three people, and I want you to find three people and tell them, push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. Come on, go preach to somebody real quick. Push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. Amen. Did you guys get something from the Word of God today? Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to please come forward. We always end with one worship song. We open up the altars for prayer. If you need prayer for anything, we're here to pray with you and for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.